Hello, and welcome to The Summoned, a podcast dedicated to Judgment Eternal Champions. I'm David Wonky, Wonky Kong on the Discord. I'm here with my co-host, David Coakley, Fabius Bile on the Discord. How are you doing today, Dave? Doing pretty good. It's a bright early Saturday morning, and excited to be talking about some Judgment. It's always a good time to be talking about some Judgment. All right. Well, uh, you know, I think the way to kick this off is the big news, right? Which is the Kickstarter just ended. And obviously, as everybody knows, it was funded. Um, I'm sure some people had some, you know, so, some big impacts on their checkbook when it ended. Because um, it was a fairly successful campaign, at least in my opinion. Um, the finalized number was... $476,825 Canadian. Uh, that's that's pretty heavy considering, uh, you know, where this game initially started, at least from what I understand, right? Yeah, I mean, it's been obviously a bit more of a niche game, um, you know, throughout version one. Um, I'm actually curious what the... Old Judgment Kickstarters. Ooh, I'm actually curious about this. Yeah, so I'm actually... Uh, okay, so actually I found one of theirs. Um, so it went for 57000 Australian. Uh, so, I don't know, Canadian to Australian. I'll figure that out. Um, and, and this was from 2017. So this one had 176 backers and did 57000 Australian. So 2017, that would have been wave one. So how much did you say it was uh, Australian dollar? Uh, shoot, I just lost it. Uh, fifty-seven thousand one hundred twenty-three. Uh, so Canadian dollar-wise, that comes out to fifty-three thousand one forty-one, roughly. Yeah. So that's wave one. Um, okay. I can't seem to find wave two. Uh, however, I mean, obviously, we've grown. Right, uh, it's pretty yeah. clear. <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty clear that we have grown quite a bit. Um, here I can actually go to Gunmeister. So wave two, oh, look at that. which is when I started. So wave two is when I started playing the game. So wave two was seventy-seven thousand with about two hundred backers. So it it got a bit a bit larger, but not huge. So obviously we've done quite a jump. Yeah, I mean. Just to give you the idea, that number is about $71,700 Canadian. Yeah. So to jump from that to $476,000, almost $477,000, and how many backers did they have? It was like 200, I think, or so. No, oh, no, for, this for this one? This one. To um, go from 200 it... backers like that to 14. Almost. 61. That's insane. Yeah, I mean, the game, I think, obviously people listening to this are interested in the game in some capacity, but the game itself, I think, was fantastic. The The partnership with Creature Caster, I think, is what, is what gave the Gunmeister Games guys the reach to get to more people. Absolutely. Because um, Creature Caster, uh, you know, is... A, obviously a larger team than Gunmeister Games. I know it's more... I don't actually know how large um, they are. 
but they do have a pretty it seems like they've got a pretty strong network of you know hobbyists and painters um and things like that where they can reach out to people to you know help promote the game or when it was just you know uh yeah. andrew and jeff they were some limited capacity right being able to you know because this also wasn't this was a i don't want to say a side project but it's not like it was not their full-time job to do judgment right um this was a passion for them but obviously you know that doesn't pay the bills yep so uh it, it's great to see the kickstarter get this large i mean I, we've seen a huge amount of influx um on people on the discord um not necessarily everyone's been chatting a lot but there's been a lot of people on the discord um especially in the last week yeah so i think the discord link got posted somewhere related to the the kickstarter i think it was posted so been... into the actual kickstarter uh comments okay. i think we've been we've been seeing an influx of people not a whole lot of you know additional activity at this point but i assume um as people start getting models and start playing the games we'll see that you know as an uptick oh yeah i i, I would assume so what are some of your what are some of the stretch goals that you were really happy that we hit uh well i mean the amount we hit you know straight up i'm gonna be honest the biggest one that I was super happy that we hit was the initial Inferno. Having him in the game, uh, you know, I've had him wreck me so many times in the game that it's just, I can't imagine Judgment without Inferno, really. Uh, but then to get into the actual monster pack and uh, having, you know, the extra Terra, the even though we don't have rules for it or anything, the Kanuka Mura in there, it just there's so many monsters, which is one of the things that we had talked about in one of our previous podcasts that we we wished there were more monsters in it initially. So that really lived up to what I was hoping for, because the monsters do play such a big part in Judgment and in Version Two, they play a bigger part. Yeah, I, th I think uh, I was pretty critical of that um, on a previous podcast that. The the lack of availability of monsters was problematic. Um, I'm in the same boat. The monsters, I think, are one of the most unique parts of this game. Um, as we'll talk about a little bit later, I had a lot of fun in monsters in my most recent game. Uh, so they're they're crucial to the game, and the availability of them, I think, is just it's it's so impactful. Um, especially because the variety of monster is very different that if the only thing we really had was gloom, you know, to start, I think people wouldn't, I don't want to say get the hang of or respect what monsters can do. Cause no, gloom I, I, is I think by far is the, the right word. Yeah. Uh, gloom is by far the easiest monster to kill. The gloom still hits hard. Um, but it doesn't have some of those extra, extra little, um, flares, I guess, of rules that some of the other monsters do that can really turn a game on its head. Uh, so Vajasha, which sadly did not, I don't think that one ever ended up getting unlocked. No, that one was, I think if we go by the outlook or the outlines of stuff, she was a 600 K, uh, okay. goal upgrade. Yeah. So I will I will have a fun discussion on Vajasha from my battle report that I'll talk about later. Um, but Vajasha is one that like she as a monster changes how you have to approach the game. Um, 
it just the way how she operates, which again, we're going to do a little bit later. Um, I think Inferno is another one that can kind of change your perspective and how you do a couple of things because he's always a threat on almost every map, no matter where he is and when he respawns, he can be dangerous. Uh, we saw the new rules for Terra. So Terra is now also a monster that can be spawned on the board. And oh my, is she scary. Yes. <laughs> um, they played a threes game with her and Terra will destroy your game if you don't have a plan for her. Um, and there's even reasonable dice rolls involved, I think, with Terra. Yeah. Which is good. The The monsters are supposed to be a challenging part of the game. They shouldn't be ignored. Um, you get benefits for handling them and dealing with them. Um, and you're not going to have a good time if you don't. So the the addition to the monsters pack, to me, is a huge deal. Um, and also the fact that there are monsters now added to uh, champion different packs. champion packs. Um, and this is very relevant, especially for Gruul, since Gendrus can actually summon Terra at level 3. Uh, it looks like Bruellen gets Inferno, which is just a good monster. Um, Tomas gets a Gloom, and then Torn gets the Canoe Chimera, which is the fun Canadian Chimera of, uh, monstrosity that uh, evidently CreatureCaster made a while back. Um, I hope they make an Australian Mera, or an Aussie Mera. You know, have a, I don't know, a kangaroo, a spider of some sort, and a drop bear. There you go, there you go, I like that. <laughs> yeah, that would, I, I really hope we see one of those. We don't know the Knuk Mara's rules yet. Do you have any idea of the kind of impact on the game it can have? Uh, but if it's like any of the other monsters, it's definitely going to be dangerous. Oh yeah, I can only imagine. Um... Yeah, I... Oh, go ahead. So, uh, with that, I mean, the Kickstarter, we didn't quite get to Svetlana, which um, kind of sucks. We didn't, we didn't get an extra hero in the hero in the, uh, in the starter. I mean, as much as I would have liked to see Svetlana, uh, honestly, she's kind of fallen down quite a bit for me a bit in version 2 with a lot of the warbands I've been playing. Um, however... Speaking about how impactful monsters are, Svetlana is the monster control soul gazer, um, which in, in in a map where the monsters are very dangerous, if Svetlana gets to level two, uh, monsters never touch her anymore. They won't attack her. She is essentially invisible to them, which is very strong. Uh, however, compared to some other soul gazers, she doesn't tend to do as much when she's not soul gazing. That's probably been the biggest ding on her. Compared to, you know, Zarin, who has a very strong magical attack. Or Cruel, who has a pretty strong melee attack. Um, or Zyvera, that's dealing damage by cutting herself, or healing people, or, you know, some of that kind of stuff. So, it'll be interesting to see uh, when she ends up releasing, because it looks like they didn't quite have a full render for her. And her model looked almost untouched. It, from the render that they gave us compared to her version one model. And that might be why they decided to try to throw her in. Because uh, it looks like it looks like outside the tree that is on her base, the like Svetlana herself is almost unchanged in the current render. But now that she's not making the Kickstarter, maybe they'll take her back to the drawing board a little bit um, and make changes. But she was honestly one of my favorite models in version one. 
the way that the base was, the way that she was. Uh, you can do some cool um, OSL with the lantern she's holding. So, yep. uh, I I gotta admit the one other you know Kickstarter goal I'm really glad we hit um, was actually a really early on one, and that was the Kogan Allen Deer add to the starter set as well. Um, especially with some of the more recent uh, depictions we've seen of Kogan with his you know double barrel chain chainsaw shotgun. Um, I'm super excited for, for him as well. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I've always really liked Kogan. Um, I thought even in, before his most recent changes, he was an enjoyable hero. He's also a minotaur, so I clearly play him. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, his new changes to his level two made him a lot better. The new re-sculpted gun, I think was a huge improvement, I get what they were kind of trying to go for with the gun, but it just didn't—it didn't quite translate. Because I know Peter talked about it a bit of what they were trying to like go for with the blade and stuff, but it just somehow didn't translate to the model. And I'm very appreciative that they went back and they redid the gun because I think the new gun looks fantastic. Yes. Uh, and Kogan is just such a such a just a badass. He's well, a fun model to play. And I I am also pumped he got in there. Uh, even though if he didn't, I'm pretty sure I would have done whatever I needed to do to get him. So Absolutely. I'm, I'm really happy, though. I mean, not only did they listen to us with the, you know, re-sculpt of the gun, and they went back and did that, which was awesome of them. But then we got to see, you know, one of the alternate parts that the resin kit's going to have, um, which I thought was fantastic because that, that does give – Kogan that little bit of um, personality slash flair that you would expect from yeah. this Minotaur who's looking down a double barrel shotgun with a chainsaw yep. attached at you. He's just kind of like, come at me. Yeah, and the optional bit, because you didn't mention it, is he is uh, flipping off yeah. with his free hand. The So he's got the gun in one hand, and then he's either pointing at who he's going to murder which is the I think will be the I think that will be the PVC version. I believe so. Um, and then the resin version will have the optional um, him flipping people off. At least that was spoiled. We'll see what ends up actually happening. Right. Because um, that is a bit of a call out that some of the uh, resin or I believe they call them the collectors models. Yes. Um, those have some optional bits and parts such as weapon swaps um, or uh, different. Like Brock can have a mohawk or not, you know, in the in the resin one where PVC will be the static, mm-hmm. whatever they decide decide to be the base of the model. All right, so Kickstarter's is all wrapped up. Uh, I think their estimated delivery is January. Um, maybe we'll we'll get some of it early. We don't know, uh, but it's it's a healthy Kickstarter. I mean, it was backed in ten minutes, but their goal was kind of low. But yeah, I think we've unlocked some really cool stuff. Um, I know I'm pumped to get the new models, and I'm someone that has the whole collection of version one. Uh, sure. So it's good. It's good to see that. First off, the growth is massive, um, which is great, right? Judgment's been a fantastic game. In the, you know, obviously the more people playing it, the better, right? There's no no doubt about that. So. I'm excited to see, you know, once we get back into stores more and get back to cons, 
we'll we'll see the game, um, you know, get stronger. So absolutely. All right. Any other last thoughts on the Kickstarter? Other than, can I get my models early, please? No. Uh, you know. <laughs> like yeah, I, said, I don't think. You... Go ahead. Yeah, as a, I don't think you can bribe Peter to get stuff faster. I don't think. No, it works that I way. don't think I can, uh, and that's unfortunate. But uh, it, it, it's good that he's got that, that you know, that there. So, um, but yeah, coming from another guy who's got the entire collection of V1 as well, and I got in even later than you did on Judgment. You know, being able to jump in on that new gods and get that to where everything that's coming out, I'm getting a hold of it right away. Can't be more excited right now. So, all right. So, this is going to move us into, uh, you know, some. We wanted to talk about some 5v5 uh, warbands using Kickstarter heroes, right? Um, yeah. Now, did you. The one that you've got here, that's built out of those heroes, right? And this includes the bonus ones that we've gotten from the uh, stretch goals, right? So, now that I double checked it looking it over um there is one hero that is not in the kickstarter that's what i thought but yeah i i I, yeah so it was (laughs) (laughs) i i wanted to so what we're going to try and do at least for this podcast and probably some other podcasts going forward at least for the next couple is we want to help we want to help new players um with warband construction i think there's been some good discussion about it on the discord um between a handful of people and I think it was guns or Tirith that posted a warband and some of their thoughts related to the warband. And there's been some good feedback on that of, Hey, like seeing this stuff as a new player helps, right? Understanding how do, how do people have been playing the game for a while? Um, at least start with a warband or start building a warband and taking some of that ideas into, um, you know, building your own warbands. Cause obviously the, it did something you're going to have to do mm-hmm. uh, coming up, you know, as you, as you start playing. And part of that's going to depend on a, a handful of things, right? So uh, this one is actually, a, it started with a single hero I wanted to play, um, which is a bit how I tend to start my warbands. I usually have like a, hey, I want to play this guy, or I want to play this, com- like these two heroes because it's got a really fun combination. Yeah. And then I, I tend to build warbands off of that. Um, and sometimes I'll do them thematic. Like, you know, obviously the, the herd is a very thematic warband. It's all the minotaurs. Um, Still on I played nerf the herd. Yeah. Yeah. No, don't <laughs> nerf the herd. Uh, you know, I, I was playing all dwarves in a, in a event once, which uh, it turns out um, six, six heroes that are very slow and only one movement fixer and they ban the movement fixer. You're not going to have a good time. Uh, it was a fun war band. It was kind of, it was thematic with all the dwarves. Um, but yeah, it also had sticks in it. As soon as sticks was banned, the, the mobility of the war band was severely hampered, uh, which led to some problems. Still was fun to play, but just wasn't as competitive. Now, uh, for some of these, uh, I'll, again, I I mentioned trying to use Kickstarter heroes, and then I realized I did not. Um, but there is actually a reasonable swap out that you can do, that uh, actually is probably completely fine to be honest. So, oh, yeah. without further ado, I'm going to get into the warband. Um, so I also went for a god I don't normally 
play a lot of. Um, so I started off with Ista. So Ista's got some interesting stuff uh, from the perspective that when your heroes die, they come back at full, which five hit points in this game is actually a pretty... Re like, it's surprisingly good, especially with Ista that brings a lot of very tanky heroes um, or heroes with a lot of lar like large hit point pools. Coming back with a five extra is nice. Uh, the the item is uh, zero fate, but it takes one action, and you fully heal that model or an adjacent model, and then the effigy powers, everyone gets flying and nimble. So I started with Ista mostly because the, the hero I really wanted to play was Thrommel. Thrommel is the dwarf defender. He swings a very big hammer. Uh, he can be incredibly disruptive, and I think someone was talking about him on the Discord and I'm like, you know, I haven't played a lot of Thrommel yet. So I'm like, I'm going to make a Thrommel Warband. There you go. So uh, he he brings a strong damage. He's very difficult to bring down, especially once he gets a level. Uh, and his big thing is that he he brings knock a, almost on-demand knockdown if you have a fate. So he hits for 4, 5, 7, but his attack takes two actions. So you can only ever get one attack with them outside of a few scenarios. Um, and But his, his fate abilities, after you damage with that big hammer, you can spend a fate to do knockdown and add D3. So I'm like, I want Rommel. And then I really like running um, double defenders. Uh, it's a very common list building, I don't know, archetype uh, or... Theme, I guess I don't know quite you know what to call it. Um, I, I, and I definitely just call it. It's a very solid you know list planning strategy. Yeah, um, I actually personally really really enjoy um, defenders as heroes. Um, I tend to play tanky characters in essentially every game I play. Um, so from the MOBA perspective, if you guys come from League of Legends, I was I was a top lane main that played Malphite. Cho'Gath, and who was one of the other ones. But those are like my two mains, obviously two very big tanky characters. Um, Oh, Maokai, that was the third one I played. So I played very tanky, very tanky characters. So it's just something, when I build this, I tend to, to bring, I bring the beef. Especially when I play the herd, obviously. Pun fully intended. <laughs> Alright, so, um, so Double Defender is really popular. Um, because it gives you it gives you some heroes that have some durability that aren't they're a bit more you can be a little bit more loose with them compared to other heroes because they tend to be able to live. Um, and a big reason why you tend to see two defenders in a lot of warbands is when you're playing things like Vito, they can if you only have a single defender they can ban out a defender, and then you're kind of limited sometimes with how you can do your board position depending on other heroes you have in your warband if you have say four aggressors and a soul gazer it's a little bit harder to have characters stick on the board when they are much easier to kill granted you also in that case probably just kill stuff faster than it can kill you when you have that much damage but so i tend to really like defenders for holding soul pits holding shrines things of that nature um I think it is probably won't be as popular in immunity because if your plan is to just always immune your one defender, 
if you always want to have a defender, then it's not as necessary. Um, so you can put more options in the rest of the list. And I actually do a bit with um, Doan Regar when I play Gruel. Um, there's a lot of times I run him as solo defender because if if I don't feel like I need Gendrus, which is weird to say, but you can immune Doan Regar and then I don't have to bring defenders. I know I have that anchor of my list. Um, and one thing I, I always stress when you run multiples of a class um, defender for me is no different, but I like to run pairs of classes that I would put on the table together. So in common veto scenarios, you, you know, you have a hero band and then you drop one hero that's left over and that's what you play with. I like playing doubles of classes where I don't feel I always want to drop my pair. And this is why I almost never run double soul gazer as a preference. Um, I actually run not a lot of soul gazers in general. Um, but that's why when people run double soul gazer, it's pretty rare. I think you're going to run two soul gazers. Uh, Dave, do you have any like two soul gazers you'd actually put on the table to play together? Um, actually I was thinking about it a little bit and there's a couple that I might put together. Namely, the two that I keep thinking is maybe even in Torin with okay. uh, Nias and Masuzi. Okay. I was almost always going to think Masuzi would be one. <laughs> well, because I, I really like Masuzi because he's got a lot of tools. Mm-hmm. Um, where, like, because I think the big thing with Double Soul Gazer is you have to be able to, and we actually touched on this a little bit with Svetlana, is if you don't, like, the turns that a soul gazer is not soul gazing, they need to provide enough value close to what another hero would bring. Right. Mm-hmm. And Zvetlana's not fantastic in that regard. However, she is also really difficult to kill. So it kind of like her soul game is very, very, very good. And she's very difficult to remove, but it, when she's not soul gazing, she's kind of sad. Right. And yeah, Mizuzi is one of those ones. Yeah, Mizuzi is one of the ones where, like, he brings a very interesting gun, because it does all true damage, but it's lower damage. He's got some debuff tools, I think, or something, in his base kit before he even levels. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. Uh, he's, well, he's got a miniature version of Saiyan's, uh, like, her damage boost. He's got a miniature version of that with the Soul okay. combat maneuver. Yeah. Well, and doesn't he have... I thought he had, like, a one-action debuff or something. He too, does, that he yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's like a mini Retarius. Hold on, I can bring him up. I've got so, it here. Give me a second. Yeah, but but yeah, so... For me, you gotta bring pairs that that you'd put on the table. So for me, Soul Gazers are not something I would play a lot of double of. Some of that's gonna be preference. Because, again, in, in the Veto format, if you really want to have a Soul Gazer, they could... You know, if you only have one, it could get banned. Right, if there's not another target they want to ban, he's got a fate active ability. Okay, I knew he could do something where yeah. he could, he could impact stuff. So Mizuzi is a good one that I think outside of soul gazing he can provide a lot. Um, I think Zarin's probably the other one. He's got the skeletons. He has a very strong magic attack. Uh, so whenever you're looking at pairs of classes, at least, again, this is a bit of my perspective, is that I want to be able to play two. So for this Warband, I actually went with Marcus. Uh, I've run a lot of Marcus Thrommel. I think it was a popular defender pair for a while, uh, mostly because 
now it's leaning into that knockdown more. So Marcus has a reliable knockdown. Thrommel's got a good knockdown. And I'm looking at, all right, I got a lot of knockdown already. And, oh, and some of the other ones I like to run, I actually used to run a lot of Sharn Thrommel. Because Sharn could help move Thrommel. Because Get Behind Me was not restricted to non-defenders. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also run some Sharn Donregar for the same reason. Um so I, I've got a couple of those pairs I like. And then Marcus, you, you could kind of pair with anyone, Marcus. Marcus Mar- is like the Marcus duct tape staple. of any warband. Yeah, he, he's your staple defender. His kit that he has makes him a good all-arounder for whether it's an, you know, whether he's a champion of the god or not. Marcus fits it, can slot into any yep. warband just because he's a good, solid defender. Yeah, and the other... Defender is a new one. So I actually think Lugdrug really lends himself to running a double defender plan, mostly because Lugdrug will defend one of your heroes incredibly well. And then your other defender can kind of handle the other two heroes that are left over outside the ward. Um, and you can use something like a Skull that provides some output as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like a Skull Lugdrug, which I think is Krognar Champions, if uh, I'm not mistaken. Right. Um, so like there's a double defender and that's a bit different cause skulls, he's not like the most sturdy guy cause he's edgy three res one, but he has a lot of hit points. So he does accept Actually, healing. Well. Uh, real quick on that note, it's not just Krognar. That's also Burellin. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so that is actually, uh, and that's in champion pair for, for both those. But yeah, those two, I do, I do think are a good pair, um, because Lugdrug just really, he really defends your high priority model. I know a lot of people do Cradle, um, or whatever your, you know, your big aggressor is. So Bruellen, right? You could ward your Zonia, um, and let her just be terrifying. <laughs> uh, yeah, the fact, like, a uh, uh, post effigy power warded Zonia that Skull put a bulwark on just makes me scared. I don't know how you ever kill that thing, and she just gets to rampage on the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, so, uh, so those are some of the thoughts about running, you know, pairs of stuff. Um, so I started with Marcus Thrommel and then this, and then this idea started brewing in my head of focusing on knockdown and focusing on heroes that get the most value out of knockdown. Uh, so then my next pick was, uh, Barnaskis. He is a hero that got a lot coming from the version one to version two transition just because of hexes. Uh, he he could get abused on his melee range a bit in version one. That is now gone. Barney also brings a very strong knockdown combat maneuver. He also can work off of knockdown with his flamethrowers because he can hit multiple targets. So he is a character that enables the knockdown that I want in the warband, but also can utilize the knockdown on the warband. Uh, and then, yeah. So in Barney, yeah, Barney, I was really excited about in general, um, in the version two, he's a sweet model. He has a fantastic story behind the creation of the model. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped to get Barney into lists and feel like he's not a liability. I, I will be honest here. I'm going to jump in on this one because Barney's one of the heroes that I always – I have a hard time slotting him in for whatever reason. Um, and it's not because he's bad. In fact, he's one of my – you know, he's one of my favorite models. Um, but 
I just, I always find that there are other models that I feel fit that slot better. And I've been trying to force myself to find ways to play him. Because mm-hmm. I want to play him, but I just, I always have that thing where I'm like, uh, maybe I'm a little too tanky. We can drop Barney and we'll bring this in, right? Yeah. And and it, it, it makes me so frustrated because I really do want to play him more. I just can't for whatever reason whenever i'm building my list i can't seem to get him in there yeah he's in a really 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 competitive class of heroes in the hybrids that uh and this and i think this is he suffered from this a bit i think in version one and he'll probably suffer a bit from it in version two is that the hybrids as a class have a lot of very strong heroes um and most of the time you're not bringing a huge amount of hybrids in a warband um, in this case, I end up having two hybrids, but a lot of times you're maybe having one, just depending on how, you know, how your warband construction is and what you're trying to do. Um, not to say you couldn't play with more hybrids. I've actually, I've actually debated trying a list where it's like zero aggressor, but like heavy on hybrids. Because um, the thing that hybrids do, obviously, is they bring you a lot of utility. Like, so Barney, Barney in the game, I'll talk about, uh, once we get through a little bit more here was he, he did a fair amount for me. Nice. Um, and he also was just difficult to remove. Uh, the one res on it makes him a, a bit harder to remove. Um, once he starts leveling, he can start healing for a lot because Barney has a one action self repair where he heals for three plus the levels gained. Um, so at like level two, he's got, I think like 18 hit points and then you can almost, you basically heal for a crit. Because uh, he's res one, most people crit for you know four or five. He then heals for four, so um, he also accepts you know Marcus's protective stance, for instance, very well. Moving him from res one to res two is a big deal, and then yeah, it just becomes hard to remove him. Um, so the other hero I played last night, which it, I blanked, that was not part of the Kickstarter, is Nephanine. Um, you could easily replace her in this warband with Drogoth. I think the the idea here with Nephanine is she has dual wield, which means uh, whenever she makes an attack, she gets to make an additional attack at minus one dice. So again, if something is knocked down, you're getting a lot of dice, and now you're getting those additional attacks. Um, you know, I'm going to say, actually thinking about it, I think Drogoth, in a way, um, slots in better than she does actually to this list yeah so nephanine's one she's one i didn't play a huge amount of mark one so she was another one like hey i want to play her a bit um she's also a terror in version two um my opponent played her last night and she gets wherever she wants she gets a lot of pushes which are much stronger in version two um and you know if you have a little bit of extra curse she gets even better uh with laser storm. So, so I put her in there. She is also a champion. So that's, I think a bit why I wanted to play her, but she is not in the Kickstarter. I think Drogoth is a, he slots in the exact same slot. Perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause he is another one that, you know, he gets the dual wield. So you're getting just a lot of attacks and a lot of dice. That's kind of the thought process with the knockdown. Uh, the next hero here is Brock. So Brock is a very, very popular aggressor. Um, I don't think I would ever play an Ista Warband without him. Uh, he, he 
if he crits, he gets to attack again, and then he can solid on the uh, uh, on the backswing. Um, and he's good at killing monsters, which we previously talked about. Monsters are are more problematic this version. So I just I don't see myself ever not bringing a Brock in an Ista warband. Um, you could also argue that you could just literally put Brock in any warband, and he, he's kind of like the Marcus of defenders. I feel like he's good at killing monsters. He's good at killing most things at level three he's good at killing defenders he's pretty durable uh yeah i think he's just one of those that you can just always hang out with i think yeah i think that's fair yeah uh next i brought kogan so this is another non-champion so he actually he, he leans in kind of like barney he is a i want to knock stuff down but i also want knocked down things uh so Kogan can knock down on the gun. At level 3, he's got an ability called Buckshot, where he can shoot multiple targets with this very dangerous gun. Um, so he was definitely one that kind of... Alright, we're going to we're gonna kind of Barnaskis this. And he wa- he'll he he'll provide a source of knockdown, um, and he will also, you know, utilize it at level 3. Um, and then the last model was Isabel. Um, she's the avatar for Ista. Uh, she's just all-around strong. She also brings more knockdown if you go the retribution path. She also can bring some extra healing and durability to what can be a very tanky warband. Um, and she brings some monster control at level 2 if you go retribution. Because she goes up to melee 7. She gets the... What was it? Retribution Blaster? Holy Blast. There we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, which... Again, we'll talk about my game here in a, in a couple minutes, and it actually was very relevant. Um, she's just good. Isabel has been strong. I think she's gotten introduced. She got a couple of nerfs um, soon after she hit uh, hit the table. Uh, but she is she's another hybrid that kind of does a bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, she could be a more healing support if you go up her holy tree. Uh, she can be a bit more aggressor-like if you go down her retribution tree when she levels. Because uh, when she levels, she can pick from the holy side, so more defensive support or retribution, the more uh, stabby, I guess we'll call it. Uh, so you got some got some thoughts on this warband for me, bud? Well, I mean, honestly, I, I like the, the Thrommel-Marcus combo. You know, that's pretty solid no matter what you do. Uh Barney, I think, is a great choice because he brings, not only does he bring more knockdown, which is a threat, because knockdown always is, especially now that you can't get it uh, outside of combat maneuvers for the most part. Um, And he also brings fire to the table, which is one of the things that I personally try to look at in a warband is, what can I bring to the table that can bring me some fire to throw down on the table, right? Yeah. Um. So, I'm going to skip over Nephany for a second. Okay. I love Brock in this warband. Um, a, because he's a champion of Vista. B, because he's got that monster control. And, I mean, I love Brock in general. I mean, he, he speaks to the inner little berserker inside me. I just want to run forward and hit things with my axe. You know? He does tend to do that. Um, and, and he's really good about it. And he, the other thing about it is that with him having savagery as an ability that he can put up, he can take the Marcus uh, buff as well. So a- as we start looking at that, you know, you've got Isabel, Brock, Barnaskis who can all take that uh, yep. that buff. 
and get it, and then all of a sudden Brock doesn't have to put up savagery, but if he did the turn before, now all of a sudden, you know, he's still got two res for anybody that, like, it makes even charging that Zonia, who's level three, it still makes yeah. him a threat at that point, because, cool, she she can crit him for six, but he only takes four of it. Yeah, um, yeah, The and he's got a huge hit point pool. Yeah, he does. I think... I think he gets up to like 20 or 21 when he's level three. So he has a huge, huge hit point pool that um, any, any of those kind of characters that have hit point pools like that. So um, also like Kogan, for instance, has a, a bit larger hit point pool, especially once he starts leveling, you know, that res starts adding up. And then obviously with Kogan minotaurs of regen. So then the, the res becomes a bigger deal, right? Cause it's like, you're you're doing you know less damage every attack, but then like they're regening a couple, so then you really have to focus them down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So um, the oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, you go. Okay. Well, I was gonna say, and Kogan, I love Kogan. Um, I, I cannot expound enough how much I love Kogan, especially after spending the one tournament where I spent so much time playing him. Um, I've I. You know, that renewed a whole thing with Kogan because I had a love-hate relationship with Kogan. He loved to hate me. Um, And now it's... I I have a completely different aspect on Kogan to where uh, I love seeing him in this type of warband because he does fit that Barnaska-style play where, cool, I can go run in and beat the hell out of things if they're already knocked down and do some extra damage that way, or... I can stand back and take aim and blast away. And it, you know, it also deals with part of the thing of how do you get around if you're fighting a tankier warband, right? He's got that automatic res reduction on the blunderbuss. Um, And Isabel, Isabel's just, it's part of the reason why hybrids, like you said, are in such high demand right now. She's just got an excellent toolkit all the way around healing if you need her to go after monsters she can go after monsters with the smiting tree you know if she needs to be a support role she can go down the holy tree she's just all around good and she makes people that can curse take a double check of where she's at yeah and that actually could have been pretty relevant uh my game last night uh as i was playing against stephanie i was playing against tomas right so there's definitely some curse options there um, yeah, I mean, the big thing, too, with this is, so, I again, I'm not I'm not in the camp of you have to have a Soul Gazer. I kind of wish I would have had one last night, based on the map we were playing. Um, but Isabel brings Soul Harvest 4, Barney brings Soul Harvest 4, Marcus brings Soul Harvest 4, Thrommel brings Soul Harvest 4. So, any of any Soul Harvest 4, like, an 8 with a reroll is okay-ish, but if you have one friend to make it a 7, a 7 with a reroll is pretty reliable. Um, so that's why, like, here I didn't have a Soul Gazer. Um, I've debated possibly adding in, um, Saiyan for one of the slots. I don't know which one necessarily I would pick. Um, she also has a pretty strong gun. She adds some AoE healing with her Aura of Light. Uh, Bastion was one I debated swapping in just because, again, now you're, you got a bunch of dual wield people making a lot of attacks. Mm-hmm. Bastion can make them very good. I also debated going triple defender with a skull. Oh god! <laughs> Just a yeah. Um, probably maybe at that point swap Barney for skull, and then basically play him like an aggressor. Like Yavel is knocked down. Just let skull run around the table, dual wielding everything. Oh yeah. Um, 
And then I also debated Lori Bella a little bit. Again, she's not on the Kickstarter, but she's another one with her spring-loaded combat maneuver. She can actually do quite a bit of damage if she's getting enough dice and the knockdowns enable that. She's also good for healing the dwarves that were in the warband. Um, so I could actually see maybe her in there instead of Nephanine or may- probably more Kogan. Because mm-hmm. um, I don't want three people that might want Heartseeker. As, as That's probably... As... As much as it pains me to say this, I think Kogan's your guy that you swap in, you swap a Soul Gazer in for, or, um, yep, you know, it, 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 it's one of those things that while he brings some tools to the table, um, for example, swapping Saiyan in instead of Kogan actually gives you a lot of flexibility too, um, mm-hmm. because that's extra healing that you bring to the table. That's you've got the, uh, uh, what is her augury? You've got Holy Shield to help protect against a lot of other stuff. Yep. Not to mention, she she's fine sitting behind people that are you know engaged and just being like, cool. Oh, you're you you're, you've got a soul on you. Cool. I'm gonna peel it off you now. Yep. So. Yep. So. Yeah, it so it was fun. So I got to play a game against one of my local guys last night. So it was it was his first version V two game. Um. He was playing Tomas because he he is a massive Vizil fanboy, and the rate that man rolls uh, critical decaps would make people cry. Uh, so he was playing Tomas. He had Fazil, Rakir, Nefanine, Saiyan, Sharn, Marcus, and Jaeger. Okay. Yep. I was playing this warband with the Nefanine version. Um, I immediately banned out the Fazil. Which, in hindsight, was probably not the greatest because we were playing on the double Vujasha fives map. Um, so, uh, twice the Vujasha got two poison stuff that Rakir could toxin for free. Um, he also had Saiyan, so he had a Soul Gazer. Because uh, I banned Fazil, he dropped Sharn. Because um, I did that, and then he banned, my, he actually banned my Kogan. Um, okay. So I didn't even get to play him. I was a little sad. And then I dropped my Nephanine because I thought he might go double defender, and Nephanine never wants to see um, a Marcus plus a Sharn. She's never she's never touching either of them. Uh, protective stance is incredibly good against her because she glances for one, so even a zero res model, um, she doesn't do much to. And then a, a one res model with protective stance, uh, now she has to crit to do any damage to. So it just... I dropped her. Um, if I Drogoth in that slot, I might have kept Drogoth. Mm-hmm. So I ended up with Thrommel and Marcus, which again, that was a pair of defenders I felt good playing. Um, and then I knew it would make his life difficult with his Nephanine if he kept her. Um, so I had Marcus, Thrommel, Barney, Brock, and Isabel. So pretty tanky Warband. I had a bunch of those sources of knockdown I was trying to go for. Um, and then Isabel... Uh, and then the Brock, which was good for killing Vajashas when he gets some help. Uh, first turn was pretty straightforward. Uh, I like put Isabel towards my my shrine. He put his Marcus towards his. Uh, I took a Marcus. A, it was a Barney, a Marcus, and a Brock to kill my Vajasha. But I couldn't soul soul harvest. The soul that popped up. Um, he had to do some finagling because some not so great dice and barely killed his using like Jaeger. Rakir and Nephanine. Damn. And then, yeah, and then the following turn, it was just kind of some positioning stuff. 
because Barney's got Pathfinder, is able to like charge from my Vajasha pit to where Rakir was, knock him down, and do a bunch of damage, which then kind of made Rakir scared. Uh, and so like that was kind of fun. I the the big thing about Vajasha for those that haven't played, because I, I won't get into all the nitty gritty details. Um, the thing about Vajasha is every time a soul gets bound bound to a hero, she activates. So, if you do not have a plan for Vajasha, she very quickly becomes a problem. Uh, she also gets additional movement when she's in uh, forced or, or treacherous or rough terrain. Mm-hmm. Um, so she can move a bit. Uh, she also hits reasonably hard. I think she's three five six. She also has a two S poison condition, which in this game actually was a big deal. There was twice so. I played. I felt like I played my first two turns pretty well. Um, however, on the respawn, that turn three, which I think on the Vajasha map is always, always the crucial turn. Yeah. Because first off, she's going to pop up. And then usually turn three, there's souls on the board. There's heroes that are low. Stuff's going to occur. And uh, his Marcus, because he knew his warband was fate heavy, his Marcus stayed... Uh, turn two just stayed by his shrine because he needed the extra fate, which right. ended up... Because basically what happened was his Marcus was on that shrine, my Marcus soul-gazed and then walked back, but my Marcus was closer to the Vajasha than his Marcus. So when the Vajasha started activating, it started chasing my Marcus that had a soul on him, which <laughs> turned out to be really bad. And then outside of that, on turn two, I essentially moved four of my heroes over to fight four of his heroes that were at his Vajasha pit. So the Vajasha comes up and he had pushed my Thrommel that was low into the Vajasha. The Vajasha pops up, just one shots my Thrommel. And then I'm down to Thrommel before the turn even starts. And then he was able to kill like my Barney with a toxin. Um, But yeah, twice on Vajasha attacks, she poisoned stuff where Rakir could just toxin it right away. Um, in hindsight, I probably should have just gotten rid of Rakir in a double Vajasha map. Because um, free free poisons are a problem uh, for him. Because like one, at one point, he was able to shadow step to an orb, like do an, do an attack, uh, and then toxin. Like out of, just because he didn't even need the poison. It was already on the target. That's rough. So, yeah. So uh, it ended up being four to five. Uh, he he won it, uh, mostly because Sand started soul gazing. All like at one point we had four open souls on the map. Uh, and Sand would start vacuuming up souls, and then she banked three souls at one point with her level three, and then I think I was at two souls. Uh, with only one banked, I'm like, okay, this is not great. He's got a soul gazer. There's I think the game ended with like three three souls on the map. Because the Vajashas respawned again, and then we killed both of them. And then prior to that, the the soul pit had been cranking out souls on the respawn, two in the respawn turns. So, yeah, I think the game ended with, like, four souls on the map. And that's without... Oof. He tried to strip one with Saiyan. So, yeah, there was a lot of souls on the map. But, yeah, the, Vajashas are brutal. Uh, they are definitely uh, <laughs> definitely a bit of a problem. Um, but yeah, so Barney did some good knockdowns. My Thrommel was disruptive. The The big problem was is I had to run away from 
my close side Vijasha with my Marcus. So he took a lot of free damage and didn't really do anything besides pick up the first soul. Um, and then I didn't play around the Vujasha monster pit well when I went into his stuff because he had very mobile stuff with Rakir and Nefanin because Nefanin got the first Vujasha kill to have the afterburners. So, right, she could go in and do something and then, you know, go a couple of hexes back without, you know, threat of, yeah. you know, ending on a monster pit or whatever. Right. Uh, Nefanin also gets a lot of attacks, so she can push like crazy with the new 1S is 1 hex. It like she could push a lot in version 1 with the, you know, the 1S being 1 inch. But with 1S being 1 hex, she can move models, man. Oh boy. Oh, <laughs> she yeah. was she was problematic. I didn't really get to stick a knockdown on her though, which would have been nice cuz a knockdown Nephany might be the saddest thing on the planet. <laughs> so uh yeah, it was a good game. I I like the Warband. I the the Nephanine, I might swatch a, switch to Drogoth just because. Um but it's it's a pretty I feel like it's a pretty reliable Warband. Um pretty straightforward too. It's not you're not dependent on a whole bunch of crazy you know tricks or anything. Um, it's got a lot of durability, a lot of healing, so it's kind of forgivable in that and it, you know, Depending on what configuration you get, it's got some really strong knockdown. Uh, it's got some really strong damage with Nefanine, Brock, and Kogan in, in this version. Uh, Barney can add a fair amount of damage, so I'm kind of pumped. It's probably it's probably going to go into my rotation of Warbands uh, to play, because I do have quite a few of those for anyone that's uh, heard me talk at all about Judgment. I've got a lot of Warbands on a list. Honestly, uh, I was thinking about it as you were talking. Um, one person you might want to consider instead of Nephany, even if you're going to take her out. Because um, you've got a lot of good melee here. Yeah. Is maybe look at somebody like Victor. So okay. You still keep that curse that she does. Because um, that'll help you with, you know, board control with being able to keep people off shrines and stuff a little bit easier. Yeah. But it also then, if you have the fate to spend, because you're not maybe spending it as much on certain things, like if you're only mm -hmm. spending it, say, on Thrommel's Knockdown for the most part. Yeah, um, it's pretty fate light in it, general. It's pretty fate light. In. You could utilize that to then bring Dorgacon to the board as well, which still then gives you that bigger, heavier hitter Yeah, running around on top. Who, let's I be think... honest, Dorg loves people who are knocked down. Yeah, I think think if I was going to put Victor in, so again, another non-Kickstarter hero. Right. Uh, but I think I would actually put him in for Kogan. That's because right. I would like the additional source of curse for Nephanine's Laser Storm. Because I didn't, I wasn't really playing around curse from the perspective of cursing stuff so it can't do things. Right. Um, so this, the, her being a source of curse was not the reason she was there. She's just there for extra damage and swings. She was there because she she leans into the if I get to a knocked down thing, it's taking a lot of damage. That's um fair. and so yeah, I mean I could Victor might not be a bad swap for Kogan. because uh, that's more of a range presence, which is kind of the idea with Kogan uh in general. So I could try a Victor. Uh that would not 
I would not hate that because it is again a very very fate light warband. You're really like I was really only spending fate on rerolls for bad dice. Um, Thrommel, I think I did like two or three hammer times with them. So that was how most of the fate, and then obviously items. I you know I tooled right. up a Brock, which Brock got to play medic in the game too. He uh, he got the healing potion when he killed the Vajasha. And then my Isabel, because I was trying to block some stuff, took a lot of Vajashi damage on the other side, and he like, he got to charge someone, do some stuff, and then he's like, "All right, Isabel, heal yourself up." So nice. it's kind of fun with the the Ista item. All right, so. I love uh, I love where we're going with this, but obviously, guys, this could be a really long one if we uh, don't cut it off. So I'm gonna go ahead and cut off the warband talk at that point, um, and I'll have something prepared for next. Our next uh, episode. Next podcast. All but right. I, is... I like the spoiler of it. I, I see the list and, I, and I'm liking what I'm seeing. So Right, right. Yeah. Um, so I, I'll have some in-depth thoughts on that for the next time that we uh, do a podcast. But okay. I do want to bring up that, uh, and you mentioned this earlier, and it's something that we definitely want to talk about. There was a big announcement going out that the uh, warfare weekend room blocks were starting to be available now which with the hotel blocks being available that means they're planning on having it this year um, yep so so yeah. I'm, I'm gonna let you start with talking on it and yep. i'll jump in here and there all right so warfare weekend for those that don't know started primarily as a privateer press it used to be war machine weekend um i think 2019 it swapped over to Warfare Weekend as they wanted to expand to not just be a privateer press only con. Um, so Warfare Weekend is probably my favorite convention I go to. Granted, I only really go to that in Adepticon. I've only been to Gen Con decades ago when it used to be near me in Milwaukee. Um, I have not been to it since it's been in Indy. Uh, but I love Warfare Weekend. I, I really like Adepticon, but Adepticon's quite large, and it feels like it's a bit more of a buying con. They do a bigger vendor hall. Um, they're doing, you know, huge rooms for a bunch of games they don't really play. But the nice thing about it, like, you can find people that essentially play any game in Adepticon. Um, Adepticon's also close to me because I live right outside Milwaukee, so Adepticon's traveling-wise is easy. It's like an hour-and-a-half car, car ride. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but- but Warfare Weekend, I've I've loved. Uh, I think I've gone to it three or four times now. Um, it's down in St. Louis. The hotels are incredibly cheap, uh, and it's all just in the one hotel. Because um, I think I think Adepticon, I feel like is almost twice the price for the hotel room because you're staying in you're staying right outside Chicago in Adepticon. Um, it, it can, but yeah. Yeah, so Warfare Weekend's one I've always enjoyed. I was a big privateer press player for a while, um, so I love going because it's cheap. It's a it's a longer drive for me, but cost wise on the weekend, it's dramatically lower than than Adepticon. Uh, at 2019, the JNAC was there, so the North American uh, Judgment North American Championship, which was their premier tournament, and it was built like the you know like the War Machine Invitational where you had to earn points. To qualify, and then it was a sixteen. I think, I believe, it was sixteen person for that one. Or did they open it? I don't. And either way, it's yeah. it was originally their premier event. There was some hints from the Kickstarter that 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 the big, you know, championship event they want to run will be at the Las Vegas Open in the future. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I don't know what changed with that perspective, but the JNAC was previously at Warfare Weekend. It was going to be at Warfare Weekend last year until we did it online because of COVID. Um, I, it, like I said, it's my favorite con. I've, I've had a lot of fun there meeting new people, um, getting pulled into drunken rounds of werewolf at all odds of the morning. Like my first con when I knew, you know, almost no one playing with like, I think it was like 20 of us were doing werewolf uh, after drinking a fair amount. So everyone's hilarious at that point. Oh, yes. um, yeah, it's it's a great con. So yeah, it's the the fifth through the seventh. The hotel the hotel blocks opened up um, earlier this week. Uh, if you don't follow Warfare Weekend on Facebook, that's where they did the announcement. Um, there currently we haven't seen anything about anything COVID protocol related. I don't. They sent out surveys um, a while back. I think a couple of months now. Yeah, it was a couple um, months ago that you posted it. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, because anything I see from there that's relevant, I try to post in, in our Discord. Uh, so I don't know if the, it's going to be mass required or not, or spacing or any. I have zero idea of that because they have not come out with any of that. Um, oh, obviously, and, uh, real quick, I want to put out there. Yep. We are not official spokesmen for Warfare Weekend. This yep. is literally just stuff we're seeing, and we're putting it out there for you guys to, at least if yep. you're interested, go find more information. Yeah, so... Um, but I'm assuming it's the hotel block opened um, things in general, I guess, COVID related have been trending positively. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'm assuming it's going to be occurring. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really pumped for it. I've actually already booked my hotel. I will be there uh, for sure. Um, I'm hoping we'll be able to do some sort of judgment gaming. Obviously we're kind of in between the version one version two stuff. Uh, that makes some of, you know, a couple of things a little bit more difficult, right? Uh, right. I mean, I've got a full collection of models. I am fine with people using my models if they want to play games with me. It does not bug me um, much. I know some people that does, but I just want people to play <laughs> Judgment. So I've always been, because uh, that's the nice thing about Judgment. You don't need 50 of a model, right? It's, I need one of a dude, essentially, yeah. to play. So... Yeah, and like um, I can I can say for myself, I'm still on the fence about it, um, whether I'm going to go this year or not. Uh, I know in the Discord I had said that you know I I think I want to just uh, hold off and save my money for being able to start back up with Adepticon next year, assuming that that's going to happen. Um, but we'll see. I mean, as as the year goes on, I may get a little more, you know, per se spring fever even though it's going to be closer to winter at that point and yeah. need to get myself out of the house and if that happens then i make you up for warfare at that point yep i just i know i'm super pumped for it um so at least i will be there with judgment stuff i'm sure i'll post in the discord about finding games um i'll, I'll bring all my version one models with me so we can play in-person games over there um i don't have any semblance of an idea of how to do an event possibly there um, I have TO'd events locally before. Um, I doubt, it sounds like it's doubtful that uh, Jeff or uh, Andrew will be able to to make Warfare Weekend. They've got a lot more travel restrictions from Australia. Yeah. Um, to be able to plan on that. So I don't know if there'll be any official events, but I know I will be there doing something judgment-related, whether I... You know, I sit at a table, make a sign and say, judgment demos here, 
whether I coordinate with people on the Discord to to find pickup games with either those that have version one models or don't, because um, I will have again I ha- will have everything at at that point. Um, the only the only challenges I think we did want to bring up is some of the mat stuff. So um, Frontline Gaming is supposed I think it was Frontline Gaming is supposed to be doing some sort of a mat. Um, based off the original, I think it's the original cobblestone stuff, but we it keeps being delayed. At least that's what we've been told. Um, but there are some other options. If Frontline Gaming has any other mats that just have 45 mil hexes on them, or even actually technically the hex size doesn't matter, right? Because again, the joy of hexes. It's not it's not that my model is two inches away from you. It's my model is two hexes away from you. Mm-hmm. So you could theoretically play on a mat with either larger or smaller hexes. Um, I, I don't know if they have, I actually don't, I'm not super familiar with frontline gaming Neither to know if they have um, generic hex mats, but that is an option. Obviously by warfare weekend, I hope frontline gaming will have the judgment mats available by then. Um, you can also print them. I printed two, two mats at um, our uh, FedEx store near me. Um, I think I probably could have done it cheaper, seeing what other people have posted. So maybe FedEx was just more expensive to do it at versus other places, because um, I think it was around like eighty-ish bucks to do a threes and a fives laminated. That, that's what it's been sounding like overall when I've been uh, seeing people post stuff. Sounds like yeah. it's right around like eighty bucks to do both. Yeah, so yeah, it was like eighty or ninety. So I mean there is some cost there. Again, I mean the nice thing is like I tend to run events, so while I don't want to use a you know, a laminated mat, if I needed to to get another table up and running I could, right? So yeah. um uh, you can also add hexes to current version one mats. There's a couple. I know I'm I'm in the process of moving, so I have not really set aside time to do that yet. Um, however, I'm going to be trying soon because I have a handful of. I think I've got probably a, I've got a stupid amount of mats. Uh, so I will be doing that. The other option is is I guess Riot Quest mats are hex based. So if you have a Riot Quest mat, I believe it's roughly three v three sized. You just need to know like where your deployment zones are and where the circle is. Cause I think theirs are just all square hexed out, I think. Um, but that would at least give you mat with hexes again, that you could kind of utilize the play. Um, so those are some mat options with regards to, you know, warfare weekend and, and getting, getting games. And like I said, I know I will be there. Uh, Dave, I hope you're also there with me. Uh, I, get you some... know, like I said, right now things are still up in the air. It's a little early for me to call personally, but uh, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of hoping, you know, that I'll be able to make it as well. Because um, then, at least, you know, worst case scenario, the two of us sit there and we'll, you know, play games against each other or run yeah. demos for if people. No... <laughs> <laughs> if no one, if no one else shows up, and and uh, I mean, one of the big things about the game is how like how sweet the version one models are. I mean, version two models are also fantastic, but like, I used to get a lot of questions when we played Adepticon uh, 2019. Um, we got a lot of like, we were just playing games up on free play tables. So people were stopping by constantly, like asking what the game was, where they can find it and stuff. So um, I'm hoping getting back to warfare weekend, getting some games in, uh, we can, we can grow the judgment community even more. 
Um, yeah. I know it was pretty popular the last Warfare weekend we had. Um, I think oh, they yeah. sold quite a bit of models. Um, and we had a lot of new players in some of the, the events and stuff, too, well, that literally bought say, models, I, I think that's slapped the them together and played. Yeah, I think that's one of the things to think about is, you know, we talked about the JNAC being there, right? And the mm -hmm. JNAC's cool. It, it, it is the top tier, you know, competitive end of the, you know, judgment circuit. That's where those guys are. Um, and I don't even include myself in those guys because truthfully, at most of the tournaments I do, like two, two and two is usually where I end up. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that what was more impressive to me is that while we had like 30 some people that were doing the JNAC, when Jeff ran the uh, beginners event the next day, he had almost, I think it was like 20 to 25 people at that. And when I started going through and just talking to some of the guys, it was asking them, well, when did you pick up judgment? You know, when did you start? And most of them were like, yeah, we just picked it up yesterday. We saw people playing and thought it was cool. So we grabbed the models and grabbed the stuff and we heard about this event. So we wanted to come do it. Yeah, it, it was, yeah, there was a lot uh, there. Hopefully, hopefully those people are still playing. Hopefully they, you know, are into version two, but yeah, so I'm excited for Warfare Weekend and, and get games going in person, you know, meet some folks from the discord. Yeah. Uh, ramble to them in person about judgment instead of having to type it all out, you know, those fun things. So, uh yeah so warfare weekend uh again november 5th through the 7th i would highly recommend it if you can if you can make it out and you know the covid stuff is is trend you know keeps trending better uh so it still happens um but yeah i'm, I'm i know i pump for it i i'm excited it's back this year like i said it's it's one of the favorite my favorite gaming things i do uh on a yearly basis uh yeah so yeah, I, I'm, I'm uber pumped for it. Even if I can't make it, you know, to it this year, I'm still uber pumped to see that it's back, that it's happening. Because let's be honest, once one starts to happen, we're going to start seeing some of the rest start coming back too. And that's exciting. Yep. I think that's true, right? Once we start getting through, once people are starting to run them, people can realize that they can keep going with them. And because uh, I know Gen Con's happening, but it's they're limiting capacity and they're doing like satellite stuff and it's small. I don't know, but because yeah. I know Gen occurring in some form. So, all right. I think uh, with that, we'll, we'll probably call it here. So uh, yeah. if you have any other uh, future topics you guys would like discussed for the podcast, especially for newer players that are coming in from the Kickstarter, um, either ping us on the discord. Um, like I said, I'm walking on the discord. Uh, he's fabulous bile in the discord. Um, otherwise, you can always email us at thesummitpodcast at gmail.com. Um, and, yeah, if you got topics you want to discuss or something like that, just let us know and we'll uh, we'll take a crack at them. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I think I think that's a, that's a podcast. All righty. We'll pour it on out.